Good afternoon. Welcome to the Director Seminar Series uh, at the Fairbank Center. I am Winnie Yip, an Interim Director of the Fairbank Center. Um, one of the function of the Fairbank Center is to provide a place and a platform for scholars to come together um, to share their work and their research that are of common interest for all of those who are interested in China. And one of the goals that we want to achieve in the coming year is also to encourage more young scholars to be part of our intellectual community. Therefore, in the spring series, we have invited a few young scholars, and I call them rising stars, in the area of China studies, broadly defined, to come share their work with us. Today, we are very thrilled to have David Yang, Assistant Professor at Harvard Economics Department, to present to us his, uh, I think, very in innovative and interesting work on AI policy, the political economy of AI. Um, David's uh, research focuses on political economy, behavioral and experimental economics, economic history, and cultural economics. In particular, his study he studies the forces of stability and forces of changes in authoritarian regimes, drawing lessons from historical and contemporary China. David has his uh, undergraduate degree, BA degree in statistics and business administration from UC Berkeley and also a PhD in economics from Stanford. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome David to present his work and for the participants, um, please type in your questions in the Q&A chat box. We will uh, reserve the Q&A session to after David's presentation. However, if you have questions for clarification that are important for David to address during the talk, feel free to type it in and I will do my best to give the question to David. So David, welcome. Thank you, Winnie. Thank you so much for, for, for having me. I'm very uh, excited to uh, present this this actually so very much work in progress uh, so this is hopefully going to be you know, part of a, a research agenda that we have and very much would like to hear your thoughts and feedbacks uh, as, as we progress along okay so the, the title of this project uh, is AItocracy and as you can see from the title uh, we try to understand the relationship between AI as a sector and autocracy as a political regime uh, um, and this is joint work with Martin Baraha from MIP and Noam Newcomen uh, from LSE. So I want to start sort of a bit sort of a, 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 a sort of intellectual background that there is this, at least within economics and political economy in particular, this conventional wisdom that there exists a misalignment between autocracy and technological innovation. And this can come in various forms, uh, such as sort of expropriation risks or lack of protection of property rights, overall speaking in autocracy, uh, induces sort of less uh, uh, investment from the innovator because what's the point of innovating if it's going to be expropriated afterwards? It can also render us into sort of you know, the, the autocracies themselves might hold up innovation because the innovation generates disruption to society that might induce loss of political power and political ranks from the autocracies and so on. Okay, there has been a lot of speculations in the last couple of years in the public domain suspecting that such misalignment between autocracy and innovation may no longer be relevant in the age of AI, especially as, as it becomes sort of increasingly important sector. And there are sort of good reasons to su suspect so. The people have argued that AI has become part of Autocross's new toolkit, 
that autocracies has always been wishing to control the population and they have been doing so increasingly by predicting people's behaviors and, and AI has been sort of an incredibly important tool uh, to, to, to achieve that. Our own prior work uh, has, has sort of you know, documented that you know, states uh, has been a big player in collecting huge amount of data uh, for various functions. And that data has been used by AI firms uh, around the world and in China in particular. And that those data that the state has collected allow the firm to innovate, not only for the government sector, but the same data can allow the firm to be innovative for the private sector, which generating sort of what the economists call the economies of scope, which can be important uh, to, that benefits the, the, the AI sector's innovation uh, trajectories. Okay. So what we want to do in this particular project is to ask the question and from, from empirical perspective, do we actually observe elements that, that support a sustained equilibrium between entrenched autocracy and innovative, innovative AI sector? And in particular, I want to break this down into, into two sub-questions because sort of for a stable equilibrium or alignment between autocracy and AI sector to exist, we should have benefits run in both directions. Okay, so, so the first question I want to ask is, do autocrats actually benefit from AI, benefit from the AI sector and its innovation? And does AI sector, in particular, the commercial AI sector, not just the government sector, but the commercial AI sector, benefit from working with the autocrats? Okay. Now, answer to these two questions actually are not very absolutely obvious. Uh, the first question, you know, do autocrats benefit from AI? You know, despite sort of a lot of the speculations you know, from news that you read these days, we don't have very strong direct empirical evidence that suggests autocrats demand for AI is directly politically motivated. And we don't have, to the best of our knowledge, direct and causal evidence that AI actually helps autocrats to stay in power and generate political stability. So part of the goal of, of, of this project is to provide such evidence and to document this, uh, hopefully in, in a convincingly causal, uh, causal way that autocrats potentially do benefit from, from, from AI and demand AI. Uh, in return. For the second question, does AI sector as, as a whole, in particular the commercial part of AI sector, benefit from the autocrats? Now, you might imagine that the autocrats take advantage of AIs in the same way that they take advantage of many technology that help them sustain power, but this need not be the case that, uh, or induce sort of the AI actually sort of you know, having direct benefits uh, from, from working with the autocrats in, in generating more innovation. Even if the government's AI sector do benefit and, and actually do sort of grow after some, the, 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 the government work with the, with the AI firms, the political, you can imagine several reasons that political motivated investments uh, of, the, of the AI sector may actually distort or crowd out commercial sector innovation because the pivots of the firms are focusing now to serving the government and that's actually gonna leave a, a bit of a vacuum in the commercial sector, which, 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 which uh, you know, it's gonna be the, the, the lion's share of the market. That, that, that if, if that's the case, that wouldn't sustain sort of this, this, this equilibrium between the autocrats and the AI sector as a whole. Okay, so we're going to take a take a step back and and and, and try to try to answer these two questions uh, empirically and see if they are indeed the case. Now, before I I, I, I sort of show you what, you know, what we do empirically, I want to sort of you know, give you a very sort of overly simplified uh, sort of conceptual framework or view of how you know if such equilibrium exists, how they will exist uh, and how how does it work? Okay, so in in a nutshell, you know. AI sector or innovation in the AI sector is data intensive. That you know, generating more output from the AI, uh, uh, from the AI firms' perspective requires access to large amount of data. 
autocracy demands certain kinds of AI software for political purposes, presumably because it allows them to predict people's behavior, catch the criminals, catching political prisoners, and so on. And in, and in, a, in the process of, of, of using AI to process data and so on, the autocracy is going to collect a large amount of data. The AI firms, when they work with those autocrats to process the data uh, using artificial intelligence, it's going to be implicitly receiving access to a lot of government data uh, because the data is going to pass through from server, for example, when they have to process it. Uh, 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 and so this, there exists this ecosystem between the autocrats demanding certain, potentially exists an ecosystem between autocrats demanding certain AI software, collecting a large amount of data, and that data can be beneficial to the AI firms. Now, an important feature here is that when the data is now accessed by the government data is accessed by the AI firms, and the firm presumably under certain contracts are required to produce certain services and goods for the government, the firm could use the exact same data to train a different algorithm or, or use the data to, to develop a, a slightly different software that's meant for the commercial market. That's the government don't directly care about. And this is what, again, we call the economies of scope. That means that you know, there could be a limitation to, to, the, to, the, to the amount of distortion that's gonna be generated in the, in the sector when the government data flows in into the commercial sector because the commercial sector, commercial facial recognition AI firms, take, take an example, can use the same data to do facial recognition supermarket checkout booths that the government don't directly care about but relies on the same data. Okay, so, so, so in that, to the extent that such economies of scope of government data exist and is large enough, Access to government data could outweigh various disincentives for those uh, commercial AI firms to, to invest and innovate, and, and that can generate again uh, so part of the part of the the synergy uh, and and equilibrium. Okay, so let me be be more specific about about what we do and give you a preview of what we find, just in case I, I don't have time to go through all the results. I'm going to focus on facial recognition AI sector in China. And using the sector as a, as a proof of concept and, and as, as one of the, the, the very important uh, sort of frontier AI sector uh, in, in the world, I'm gonna document that autocrats such as China do indeed benefit from AI. That is in locations in China that have occurrence of episodes of local unrest, that leads to subsequent greater investment of the local government in public security AI products. And those increased investments in public security AI products subsequently suppressed future, uh, future unrest and generate greater political stability. Okay, so the, the, the AI software does seems to be benefiting from the local, uh, from the local governments in China in terms of uh, for political purposes and local governments uh, demand more of such uh, as, 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 as a result. And second, AI sector does seems to benefit from working with the autocrats. Uh, here again, specifically what I mean is, is, is local governments. The, the, the AI firms who received contracts to work with local governments in China subsequently innovate, not just for the government sector, producing more AI software for the government purposes, but they're, they're becoming more innovative and productive in a broader commercial market that government don't directly care about. That's gonna suggest that the existence of economic scope that the, the sort of the data and other resources that, that these firms, AI firms, received by working with the government allow them to take that resources and take that the data as an input and, and be productive in, in, in a much wider market. Okay. These two elements is going to suggest sort of a, a, an alignment and, and, and a stable equilibrium where AI sector helps enhance the autocratic stability uh, in terms of the political stability and autocrats demand for AI 
can help sustain the growth of AI sector and presumably growth of a much wider economy if AI become increasingly important share of, of the economy. And it can potentially bias the technical change towards the data intensive innovation, uh, which, which we'll discuss in, in more detail uh, uh, towards the end of the talk. Okay, so if I have sort of you know, remaining time in the, in, in the end, I'll also show you some, some uh, sneak peek of, of some of the, the more recent sort of our, our next project uh, in, the, in this agenda to, to look at sort of if this sort of this alignment between autocracy and AI indeed exists, does it imply that countries such as China have a competitive advantage in AI sector? And what are the consequences of this in terms of global AI trade? Do we observe China being a net exporter of, 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 of AI trade in the last couple of years? And how do, how do we think about sort of potential sort of policy responses and so on? Okay. So, so without further ado, let me let me quickly sort of give you a, a overview of this, the, the various uh, data sets that we used uh, to, 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 to help us to, to implement the empirical exercise. And then I'll show you sort of the, uh, introduce the empirical strategy that we, we, we use for, for each one of the question uh, that, I, that, I, that I post, and then I'll show you the results, okay? So to, 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 to perform sort of the, the, to answer the question that I, 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 I just posed, we have to sort of piece together uh, you know, uh, broadly sort of three different kinds of data sets uh, that, that help us to sort of paint uh, a different dimensions of, of this relationship between uh, the, the, the government and then the AI sector. The first data sets that we need to build together and we, we, we build this for, from scratch for, for this project is, is the sector, that, is, is a data set that, that, that describe public security AI investments and procurement uh, by, the, by the local governments of China. This actually involves sort of piecing together two different data sets. We're gonna, we're gonna identify to the best of our knowledge, sort of the, 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 the close to the universe of all the first recognition AI firms who have ever operated in China over the last decade or so. That's, that amounts to about 8,000 of such firms. And this comes from sort of you know, both a, a Chinese-based uh, firm database and then and, and, uh, US-based uh, data set. Okay. We're then gonna put together a, a sort of, a, I think this is very close to the universe of all the public uh, uh, procurement contracts that the local governments of China has ever issued in the last two years. There are about 3 million such contracts coming from the official source of the government procurement database uh, maintained by the Ministry of Finance. Okay. We're going to focus on the subset of such contracts that's issued by the local public security arms of the government. So these include local police departments, local sort of you know, uh, 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 bureau that, that, that help maintain political stability and so on. There are about a little over 10,000 such contracts. Uh, that, that sort of you know, issued by local security, public security arm of, of, of the government and being awarded to an AI firm in our database. So, so that's gonna suggest sort of a particular local public security arm of the government is procuring goods that's being supplied by AI firm and very likely it's gonna be a, a facial recognition AI product given that we're looking at sort of all the facial recognition AI firms uh, here. Okay, so that's 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 the first data set. I, I should note here that I won't I won't go through uh, this in, in the talk today. We could we could sort of as alternative look not just sort of the the facial recognition AI software that the local government is, is the public security arm of the local government is purchasing. We can also look at sort of AI capable surveillance camera. These kind of hardware that that's that's accompany this uh, this AI investments uh, through these contracts and and so on. And then the, most of the results I'm going to show you is actually very similar. If we look also look at the, the these sort of hardware purchases on top of the, the, the software equipment, okay? So that's data space number one. Database number two that we need is some measurements of local political pressure. 
uh, in which the local government might be responding to when they're when they're investing in in, in AI, and also subsequently the the greater AI investment might, might help the government uh, to to suppress. Okay, so we do this in two, in two different forms. The first one is a somewhat standard: the, the the protest and and the occurrence of other episodes of political unrest. This is coming from a global data set G Delt, and we use the China version of of this. It give us about sort of ten thousand of such events that involve sort of political unrest, protest various form of demand for rights and so on that occurred uh, between 2014 and, and 2020 throughout China, which is the period where, where, where the bulk of our AI contracts is, 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 is coinciding. Okay. Uh, our alternative uh, is secondary sort of measurement of local political pressure. And this uh, will interpret very much as potential preemptive sort of demands or, or pressure for, for public security the local government might be fueling, which is the share of Uyghur minority population in a particular prefecture. This becomes quite salient from a local government's perspective uh, since 2009, uh, 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 and we, we take sort of the, the minority share just from the from a statistical yearbook. Again, these are the, the local Uyghur minority share it conceptually is quite different from the, the occurrence of, of episodes of public unrest because to the extent the local government might be responding to the local rigor minority share, it's not necessarily responding to actual occurrence of the, of the unrest, but very much potentially due to uh, preemptive and, and, and sort of just a just high salience of, 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 of eagerness to, 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 to stop any potential uh, political unrest in, in, in the future. Finally, we, we, we need to have a data set when we look at sort of the, the economic outcomes, how AI firms are benefiting from the local, uh, from, from working with, with local public security arm of the government, we need to sort of have a way to measure uh, these firms' innovative activities. So to, to, for this, we're gonna look at all the software releases that these AI firm has registered with the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology in China, which is required for them to release uh, major software to the, to the, to the, to the public. We're going to categorize these software into, into several ways. Uh, we're going to categorize them by intended customer, for example, whether the software is used for by government, such as traffic control and, and public civilian software, or whether it's used for the commercial market, for example, you know, traffic control for a supermarket, uh, a supermarket sort of you know, checkout booths and so on, which, which you know, presumably our government don't have a direct interest in. We're going to also categorize them by intended use, for example, whether the software in involves components that relate to civilians or monitoring uh, to, to look at whether you know, that potentially pivot the, 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 the AI firms to, to innovate in a slightly different direction. Uh, and to do this categorization, I, I won't go into detail today, but we use a machine learning algorithm where we sort of manually trained, a, a manually labeled about certain thousand such software into different categories. And then we would we, we, we use the recurrent neural network to, to apply this labeling to the rest of the software uh, where we think our algorithm is fairly accurate in a, in a prediction. Okay. So that's the three data sets that we have. A data set that, that links local public security arm of the government to their AI software purchases uh, with, the AI, with these AI, so, uh, AI software firms in facial recognition sector in particular, uh, the various measurements of potential local political unrest or pressure of local unrest that local government may be responding to. And finally, the, uh, the, 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 the AI firms sort of software output and uh, most important output of these AI firms. Okay, so, so now I'm gonna get back to our questions. The first question, do autocrats actually benefit from AI? Okay, 
first, I'm going to look at demand, whether the local governments actually buy more AI software and more official recognition AI software in particular uh, through its public security arm of, of, of units of the government when they have sort of latent uh, political pressure. Okay. When we look at sort of the variation coming from the local Uyghur population, uh, the, the, the unprogress factor is going to be fairly simple. We're going to just look at do localities with higher Uyghur population share experience greater uh, public security investment in facial recognition AI in, a, uh, in, in those localities. We're going to focus on regions outside of Xinjiang uh, just because the Uyghur share uh, in, in Xinjiang region is, is, is a diff very different magnitude than the rest of the uh, of, of the country. Okay, so this is you can think about this as, as sort of any sort of factors that may be maybe triggering sort of local public security responses and whether that's inducing a higher uh, uh, civilians uh, AI software purchases. Okay, to look at the actual occurrence of the local unrest, we're going to ask the question: Do episodes of local unrest in one quarter in a particular place in a particular prefecture? Let's be precise leads to greater public security AI procurement in that prefecture in a subsequent quarter. Okay, there's going to be fairly sort of high frequency uh, responding uh, responses by the, by, the, by the local government. We can do this in, in various ways. We can, we can do a simple OS regression where we would we, we, we do essentially a panel fixed effect specification controlling for location and time fixed effects. But of course, uh, one need to interpret the OS with various caution in terms, of, uh, in terms of causality because of confounding factor that may be on the background. So we could also implement an instrument variable strategy where we can instrument the occurrence of these local protests with local weather condition. The intuition is that Holding fix a lot of the potential local political demands on the margin if a large protest or a large episode of unrest breaks out depends on whether the weather condition is favorable. If it happens to be a huge uh, sort of super rainy or super cold, the protest may not occur just because the just because it's it's, it's relatively uh, marginally more costly. Okay, so we can we can use uh, weather conditions uh, in, in, uh, throughout China. To, to, to predict sort of protest in, 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 uh, on, on a particular day. And we can be hands off in, in exactly what's the configuration of the weather condition in predicting uh, the protest occurrence uh, uh, and using a lasso regression. Uh, and, and our first stage is, is fairly strong in the sense of, you know, very much aligned with, with, with your prior extreme weather condition, uh, such as thunder, hail, or very high temperature, for example, leads to fewer protests in, in, in a given place, just because it's marginally making it more costly for people to, to take it to the streets. Okay. We then take this first stage to aggregate up to the quarterly level, and we can see whether you know whether this protest, uh, whether these protests that's coming from slightly more exogenous sources because of the weather conditions, uh, leads the local government to invest more in the in the, in the facial recognition AI in the subsequent sector. Okay. So let me get uh, get back to the to the to the to the to the to the results on on. Um, how local government uh, with high share of Uyghur population in, in a given prefecture, uh, uh, their, their behavior in terms of investing in public security AI investments. What you see here in column one and two is that we find uh, using in, in, in OS regression, places with high share of Uyghur population relative to places with relatively lower share, the local governments are spending significantly more in terms of investing in public security AI. This relationship is actually, if anything, stronger for the for the male uh, Uyghur population. Again, suggestive of, of this potentially pendant uh, sort of pressure of of of, of preemptive uh, public security of, of the local governments. This actually emphasizes it's not a generic minority share, uh, a sort of presence of minority uh, sort of uh, phenomenon. If anything, sort of in columns two and four, where we would put 
the non-Uyghur population share side by side by Uyghur population share, we see a negative relationship between sort of you know high minority share uh, leading to less AI investment. That's very much sort of is is mostly driven by the, the places with high minority share tend to be also poor, and then local government just not spending as much uh, in terms of public security and high technology public security. But this relationship flips once you look at sort of the the, the Uyghur share population, uh, where we're again given the 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 the, the, the you know the the, the public uh, domain knowledge, uh, where local governments do worry about uh, the, the public security and and in, in, in sort of you know start to invest quite heavily in 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 the facial recognition AI. Okay. To to look at sort of the actual occurrence of the of the of the unrest. Uh, and 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 and, uh, and and political protests and how does that lead to to, to governments uh, investing in in, in AI? Uh, uh, what I'm showing you here uh, in in the plot is predicting the subsequent AI investment using the previous uh, using using the the the, the protests that occurred uh, in in the in, in each of the quarter, either leading up to the protest uh, AI investments or after the AI investment. Zero is sort of the immediate quarter uh, quarter after. So, so, so the way to read this table, uh, this, this figure is that in the quarter where a large amount of local unrest uh, took place, in the subsequent quarter, we observed a, 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 a sudden increase in local government's investment in facial recognition AI by the public security arm. This, this did not occur previous to the protest occurrence, and it didn't sort of you know, last it longer than, than, than more than, than a quarter. So it's a, a quite sort of fast paced contemporaneous responses where the governments are responding to a, the last quarter, quarter's protest occurrence and, and start to invest more uh, in, in AI. Uh, you know, that, was a, that was the OLS regression. If, if I were to do this uh, using instrumental variables, just looking at the part of the, the, the protest occurrences coming from sort of the marginal Good weather conditions or extreme weather conditions that may that may discourage protests, we see a pattern that's very similar to the OS version, where a high amount of protest uh, occurrence uh, indeed seems to lead to to more AI investments uh, by, the, by, the, by, the, by, the, by the local government. Okay, this is to say that local government demand more AI when there's unrest uh, or sort of threat of unrest happening in in, in a previous period. Now, do those AI investments actually help local government to, to, to suppress the subsequent unrest? That, that's the second question. Now, this, to answer this question empirically, it's, it's actually not super straightforward because there's going to be a lot of autocorrelation across protest occurrence over time. So just looking at over time variation, uh, we, we, I just show you that the protest, uh, no, local governments are responding to high protest occurrence in the previous period and high protest occurrence is going to, going to correlate over, over time. So this is going to, this is going to complicate uh, uh, the, the, how we look at sort of how the, pro, uh, the AI investment is, is changing the subsequent protest uh, occurrence. So we're going, to, we're going to come up with two similar but, but different strategies to look at the, you know, the effect of AI investment on protest. The, both are related to whether AI investment is tempering protest occurrence with respect to a range of factors. The first one we could look at is whether you know, we see a possible relationship between good weather condition and protest occurrence. Protests are more likely to occur when the weather is good and when, when, you, when, when you're more likely to, 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 to encourage people have, have large gathering. We can ask the question, does the presence of high investment in public security AI temper this possible relationship between weather, good weather condition and, and protest to, to make it sort of less responsive to, to good weather? We can, we can do this to, to do a similar exercise 
with respect to whether protests are, are, more, are less likely to spread uh, when, when, when a certain place has, has AI presence. You know, there's going to be a generic uh, a, a pattern that protests tend to spread across prefecture to prefecture, potentially because they share sort of uh, latent political demands. And we can ask whether a particular place with high level of AI investments by the local public security arm of the government, when surrounding areas are protesting, uh, does, does, the, does the high AI in, in, invested sort of local uh, local prefecture uh, has has higher uh, has a, a fewer smaller chance of, of, of being spread over uh, by, by the near by the, by the by the protest in the surrounding region? Okay. So so this is what the uh, the, the regression results that 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 that, that sort of answer the the, the the exercise that I just described. The punchline here, uh, let me, let's focus on, on panel uh, A, which is on looking at sort of elasticity of protest occurrence to, uh, to the local weather condition. Now we see a very strong positive uh, coefficient on good weather across any kind of uh, local political unrest or, or breaking it down to, to various different types of events such as protests, demands, and threats, and so on. We see a positive measure suggesting indeed sort of you know, good weather on the margin is more likely to induce uh, a occurrence of, of those events. But the interaction between good weather and AI is negative. That suggests while the AI investment is not peeling off all the possible relationship between, between weather and protest occurrence, that relationship become milder in, this, in the sense of protests are, are less likely to occur, even if the weather condition is favorable uh, in, a, in, a, in, in, a, in a particular region. Okay? We see similar kind of tempering effect when we look at the protest spread over space, where when a nearby space, uh, nearby prefecture is protesting. Uh, you know, places are more likely to also protest in, 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 in the same period. But, but this sort of influence by the nearby region is becoming significantly less likely to happen when a particular destination uh, prefecture has a high amount of uh, 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 public security AI investment. Again, suggesting th th this is pointing in the direction where when local government, the local public security arm of the government is putting in a lot of investment in, 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 in facial recognition AI, it actually helps in the sense of you know very very rapidly in 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 in, in, in quarter to quarter we start seeing protest occurrence start to be tempering down and, and presumably this is exactly what the local government wanted when they put in that investment to 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 generate more political stability. Okay. Finally, it's just a, this is quite quite suggestive, but but we see some evidence that the, the investment of AI technology by the local public security uh, arm of the government actually shifts the technology of social control and public security broadly speaking. If we were to look at the hiring of the local police, uh, we see that for the places that have high level of public security AI investments in the next period, and here a period is, 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 is the next quarter, local governments are hiring less police forces. So in some sense, the AI is substituting away from the, from the ground force of the police. And among the police that they're hiring, they're more likely to hire office police rather than the police on, on, on the ground. Again, it seems to shifting away from, from the, putting a lot of the police forces on the, on the, on the, on the, on the streets versus, versus more technologically aided uh, kind of police operation. We also see that those public security AI investments is leading those local the, 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 those prefecture to have less political prisoner in the next period, suggesting a more targeted sort of uh, crackdown or, or, or political oppression. This is not suggesting sort of fewer political crackdown, but just potentially sort of a, a, a more targeted crackdown, uh, potentially aided by again by by technology. And this is very particular in the, in, the, in the political domain, and we don't see sort of a, 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 a such an active relationship between AI investment by local secu public security uh, with respect to economic prisoners in the, in the subsequent period. Okay, 
So that's that's the first part of, of, of the equilibrium. Do autocrats, do local governments in China actually benefit from AI? The answer seems to be yes. They demand more of AI when there's patent political unrest uh, and, and, and such AI sort of helps them to, to achieve better political stability in the subsequent period. Now what happened to those AI firms who, who, who you know, help the local governments or, or supply AI software to the local governments? Uh, do they do better in terms of their innovation? To, to answer this question, I'm gonna use a, a, a triple diff uh, triple difference in differences in pure strategy. What, what, what that boils down to is that we're going to compare the cumulative software releases of AI firms before and after they received their first politically motivated uh, sort of public security contracts with the local government relative to those who received a, a, a less political motivated contracts. Okay, so let me be more specific here. So the so the the, the three differences that we're, that we're going to exploit is that. We're going to compare a firm, a, a firm before and after. So we're going to put in firm fixed effects. So, so there's always going to be the same firm. And we're going to look just a quarter before and a quarter after the first contract arrives. To the extent that different firms received their first contract with the local public security arm of the government at different time, we can also control for the overall secular trend of this industry and explore that the first contract took place at different calendar time for different firms. And finally, to the extent that Political motivated contracts might differentially benefit from certain local uh, local AI firms because it, that might involve sort of you know the local government providing more data to the to the to, to the firm. We're going to look at sort of you know, the, comparing the 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 the, the contracts that are issued by local government that had just experienced local unrest in the previous quarter, uh, or local government that 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 has a lot of uh, a relatively high share of Uyghur minority in the population relative to working with local government that hasn't recently experienced any local political unrest so, or, or uh, so, uh, any kind of, sort of generic public security uh, contract in, in, in that sense. Okay, I want to show you, walk you through this. First, show you just sort of what would an average public security contract do to the AI firm. I'm plotting the, I'm going to plot sort of different categories of the software right after the firm received uh, it's, it's contract. So, so I'm going to start by, by looking at sort of, this is not actually an AI software, this is just data complementary software that allow the, 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 the firm's releases and development of such software that allow themselves to store and transmit and calculate and process large amount of data. This will suggest the firm probably received, you know, to the extent that the firm need to develop new software to store data, that suggests the firm received a large amount of data that previously hadn't had access to. Okay, so the way to read this figure is that what I'm plotting you here is within a particular firm relative to the period before, relative to the period where the firm received this first public security contract with the local government, which is the red vertical line here. The number of software that it has released is every quarter leading up to the contract arrival and after the contract. Okay, so what you can read here is that there is no particular trend leading up to the contract arrival. But as soon as, as soon as the first quarter of the firm has working with the local government, uh, public security arm of the government, the firm starts to release more software that help them store data and, 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 and transmit data, suggesting this, there, there seems to be a quite a large amount of government data exchange hands implicitly uh, because, of, because presumably because the firms are asked to process the data for the, for the government. Okay. Now, if we look at, not turn our attention to AI software, the software, the, the AI firm developed for the government, such as traffic control, population control, uh, population counting kind of software, recognition software uh, uh, for the for the street. Uh, look at that set, segment of the software. It could do the similar exercise. Look at the firm's releases of the software 
leading up to the first contract arrival, and then for each of the quarter after the contract arrival. What you see here is that almost immediately after the contract arrived, the firms start to produce more for the government. But this is largely potentially as you would expect mechanically because the firm just are contracted to produce something for the government uh, because, of the, because of the service provision and the firm is pr probably pr you know, literally producing those software that the government is, is, is contracting and asking for. Okay. Now, what makes it a bit sort of surprising and quite important from an economic perspective is that not only did the increase in AI software production or innovation happening in the government domain, it also happened almost simultaneously in the commercial sector. The government contract it wasn't, it wasn't explicitly contracting about. Okay? So immediately after the first quarter of the, of the public security contract uh, uh, took place, uh, happening to the, to the AI firm, the firms are also producing more for the commercial sector, that, uh, such as, again, supermarket checkout booths, uh, uh, you know, crowd control, customer recognition for, 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 for retail space, and so on. This is suggesting a fairly high degree of economy of scope of whatever the input of the government data the firm has received access to from working with the government, the firm almost simultaneously are using that to either train a different algorithm or train an improved algorithm that can then take also to the commercial sector that benefit a, so a, a wider market on top of the, on top of the government. The final thing I want to show you on, on the slides is that if we were to zoom in to the to the to the to the to the subcategory of the AI software that this firm is developing that involves some degree or some element of surveillance that such as monitoring and so on, we see an increase of the number of software that involves surveillance that these firms are, are, are producing uh, in the in the AI space. This is sort of one one of the the, the evidence that we have suggesting that. You know, while the firms are becoming broadly more innovative and producing more and productive, more productive after working with the local government, there is a sense of repivoting and potentially distortion from a normative perspective that there, there are more civilians related sort of product coming out, presumably because the initial data that they receive, the initial contract that they receive is, is meant for civilians. And, and, and you know, if not for the, you know, hard to know the counterfactual, but if not for the, for the government contracting, the firm for the commercial sector at least might have produced less civilians sort of focused uh, AI goods uh, than, than what they currently uh, produce, okay? The final, final results I wanna show you before I open up to, to, to some of the questions is, is that, now that was for a, a, a average contract that the firm received. They, they seem to do better uh, after they received the contracts. The, the question I initially asked is that, now what happened to those politically motivated contracts, the contracts coming from a local government that, that just, received, just experienced a lot of local unrest or coming from a local government that have higher share of Uyghur population, for example, uh, which, which potentially the investment uh, the, of those AI contracts are actually sort of motivated by the demand, explicit demand for, for, for curing uh, political unrest. What we see here is that uh, we want to focus on the 16th quarter after interacting with the unrest coefficient, which is suggesting that all the positive effects that just show in the previous slides amplifies for those politically motivated contracts. So the firm who work with a government who are politically motivated when they sign those AI contracts differentially benefit from those contracts by producing more for the government, producing more for the commercial sector, and marginally pivoting a bit more towards the civilians kind of product. So, so to tie all this to, 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 to together, what I show you is, 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 is a sort of a several pieces of empirical evidence that, 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 that sort of uh, uh, suggest uh, this, this, this alignment uh, between, uh, and I would argue a quite deep alignment between autocrats demand for political stability and AI sectors aim for data intensive innovation. 
autocrats benefit from, 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 from certain kinds of AI product and AI sector, in particular the commercial sector of AI, benefit from working with the autocrats because of the government data they receive generate large economies of scope that allow them to produce more for the various kinds of market on top of, on top of the direct demand coming from the government. This will suggest the stable, but, but I should be careful here to say that when, you know, this uh, stable equilibrium, but this equilibrium could be distorted. You know, this, this alignment between autocrats and, and, and the AI sector can overcome a lot of the sort of autocrat frictions on innovation that the literature has been pointing to for the, for the last decades uh, because, of the, because of the additional data that, 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 uh, that, that the firm's able to receive. And to the extent that the underlying economy of scope from government data is sufficiently large, the autocrat's demand for AI may generate greater growth for the sector. Uh, and to the extent that the AI sector is important, become an increasingly important part of the economy, it might also generate greater, uh, greater growth to the entire economy. But however, the direction of innovation is going to be distorted, uh, uh, and, 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 and the citizens' welfare uh, could be reduced uh, because of because of such uh, distortion. Okay, so I'm out of time, unfortunately. So I want I want to go actually show you the, the sort of the results uh, for the for the for the for the on, on trade and, and indicating sort of China has a complete advantage in, uh, in in AI and China become a dominant forces. Uh, uh, in terms of exporting AI technology to the to the rest of the world, uh, and I, I can save that for either for the Q and A or for 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 another uh, talk. Great. Thank you so much for for your attention. Great, thank you very much, David. Um, since you're on this point, actually, one question is uh, along a similar line, um, which is. Um, do you think different political system in the U.S. compared to that in China put the U.S. in a disadvantaged position in the AI competition? It, it's, it's not exactly um, what you have been presenting, but it might be relating to your last part. Do you want to just uh, venture to um, answer this question? So, so, so I think there, there are two important points to, 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 to make regarding sort of comparing, you know, China or sort of any sort of you know, similar country with, with similar political sort of uh, institution uh, with say the, say the US. There is some commonality uh, between them in a the sense of you know, across the board and throughout history, government is always playing a very important role in collecting data. And that's not uniquely true for China. Sort of when government needs to collect tax, taxes or government provide any sense of uh, sort of public security, large amount of data will be collected one way or the other. And to the extent that AI firms are, are, are starving for data, with, for the innovation, working with any government uh, is going to potentially be beneficial to the, to, the, to the AI firm to the extent that they receive access to the, to the data. Now, there is a differential effect for autocracy in the sense of on top of the generic public security or public services that the government providing, they might have additional political incentive to use AI services because of a political sort of civility uh, incentives and, and, and reasons. That's going to push sort of, you know, Chinese government or Chinese local government in, in the case of my talk, uh, having a greater demand than say the US local government. Uh, uh, and that, that, that means more data potentially generated in this force. Now, to the extent that there is a differential demand of the local government from China in demanding air services and providing more data, uh, you know, from a pure theoretical perspective, that, that, that is going to suggest a competitive advantage uh, of countries such as China relative to the, to the US. Now, if actually, let me, let me actually just uh, share my screen. I will show you the, 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 the two slides I, 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 I skipped in, in the end is that in our, in our next project, we're looking at sort of, you know, is that actually true in the sense of, you know, from an economic perspective, the most direct way to look at this is whether there is a common advantage is to look at who is dominating global trade in AI, 
China or US or any other country who are who we think are dominating the, the frontier tech. So we, we sort of collected uh, sort of you know, the original sources on, on AI trade. And we see that China is by and large dominating global trade that involve AI product. 50% of the global transaction, uh, cross-country transaction AI uh, has China as, as, a, as a country of exporting. And this is very different from all the other frontier tech. Uh, that we're familiar with, such as biotech and so on. So AI seems to be China's it's very advantage uh, in, 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 in the sector. And compare this to the, to the US, the US is exporting quite a bit about, about its AI, uh, but it's much less so uh, than, than China. And again, this is very unique to, to the AI sector and not the case for, for other frontier tech where, where US on net is, 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 is ex exporting more. So if you take this as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a sort of a, a, a evidence for competitive advantage, then yes, indeed seems to be that China has a competitive advantage in, in AI because it, it is a net exporter of this technology. And we don't see this in, in other frontier attacks. Well, we look forward to your next presentation on those results, definitely. Um, but this is uh, what you just reply uh, is uh, related to another question. The question is, your assumption is that AI firms want to have contracts with the government because of access to the government data. But in the case of China, in fact, private company like Tencent and all of that, they actually have a huge amount of data. Have you ever considered that there's also a um, incentive for the government to work with these firms so that they can get access to those data that they do not have? Yeah, so that's a, that's a, great, uh, that's a great question. So I'm very much so far uh, attracted away from the existence of private data and focus on sort of, you know, to the extent that working with the government has this benefit from a local, from an AI firm perspective, uh, access to government data, the private data was 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 a bit on, on the background. And this is also an important factor related to the, to the first question that, you know, compared to say the, to the US, the relative share of the government data versus private data in the in the economy or in the ecosystem uh, could be could be very different. We don't have a good estimates of, you know, who has the lion's share of, of, the, of, the, of the data and who has more, but private data certainly is an, is an important uh, factor here. Now, the two things I want to I want to emphasize when we think about private data is that there, even to the extent that Tencent and a lot of the large private firms is, is, is sort of big players in collecting data, there are certain data that the only government has and the government has monopoly over. For example, this is one of the reasons why I focus on facial recognition AI, uh, facial recognition AI sector, like almost at least in the foreseeable future, local governments and to extend sort of the you know, central government of China, and, and this is going to be the case for most of the governments, regardless of whether it's China or not, it's going to have control over who owns the, the, the street surveillance camera and who owns the video stream coming from the civilian camera. So even for all powerful sort of private firms such as Tencent and Facebook, they will not in the foreseeable future have direct access or ownership over such data. And if, they, if, if working with street surveillance data is an important part of how they develop some parts of the software, they have to work with the government uh, to, 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 to obtain that data because there's no other way because you can't put up a surveillance camera by a private firm. Now, on the other hand, the government is certainly also picking big firms and big players when they, when they ask them to supply their software. So there are, especially for those high profile local government who potentially have a lot of pressure for, for, for local political stability, they're working with some of the best firms uh, in facial recognition sector because they probably want the best kind of uh, uh, software. So they're, they're definitely pick, uh, you know, they, 
when I say procurement, there's a bidding process in the end. No bidding is not very transparent, but there definitely is a, is a picking and selection of, of some of the largest and most capable firms. Uh, uh, that's not going to be directly affecting some of the results that show you because uh, we're, we're controlling for firm fixed pregnancies. This is within being the top firm, and you're still additionally benefiting almost immediately after working with the government. But the, the uh, background selection that I, I sort of uh, skipped over is that these firms who end up working with the government, which is overall is about 20%, 15 to 20% of the firms in China, are 15 to 20% the largest fish recognition firms. Uh, small firms don't get to work with local government uh, on average, at least. Right. Um, there's a question from um, Bill Xiao. You have done a very interesting um, quantitative study of the political economy between AI firms and autocratic governments, and there is strong spillover effects on the commercial side. Um, so um, the question is um, that um, he's reminded about the spillover effects of U.S. military funder research. Have you compared um, the demand and supply of Chinese military research and its spillover effects, or is it something that you yeah. see a parallel that, yeah? So empirically, we, we unfortunately don't, I mean, even when I say our, our procurement contract database is very close to the universe, I don't think we have nearly close to the universe, or if any, uh, of the lion's share of the, of the military-related procurement. Those are just not in the, in the procurement. So, so to extend that, empirically, can we, can we say something about the military side? Unfortunately, so far, we're, we're quite limited. These are local police department, local public security arm of the government. That it could include local prisoners and so on when they're purchasing AI, but it's, it's not, it's that's very different from military. No, the, 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 the big picture question that, 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 that this, this raises is, is a very important one, which is to the extent that working with the local government that generates spillover from the government sector to the commercial sector, a, a very close analog of that is indeed the military space racing will be another example where, you know, in those cases, typically we think it's human capital carry over certain ideas of how to do certain things. And that when you, when you help the government to build a rocket, uh, that teach you a little bit of how to build an aircraft. And 10 years later, you work for Boeing and then that spill over to the, to the commercial sector. And we see that sort of you know, uh, in several sectors uh, in, the, in the last sort of century or so. Now, AI sector in, in that sense, because of data is an input and data has this economy of scope feature, which means that when you take the data from the government or access the data from the government, that same data allows to do things above and beyond what government directly wants you to do is. And that generates this, this sense of spillover that's quite mimicking the spillover com, uh, coming from sort of space race or, or working with the military. So, so in, in that sense, when we think about sort of the relationship between private firms and government in the AI sector, uh, we're back into the, into the 50s and 60s when we think about some of the, the, the headline sectors when they, when they benefit tremendously from working with the state. Okay, so there are three questions from uh, Bill Alford. Um, first of all, again, he complimented you on a very impressive presentation and work. His first question is, are there indirect ways in which the autocrats may help AI companies, for example, as in precluding development of new laws that would protect privacy more strongly or in providing other benefits not directly related, such as looser application for rec of regulation, access to finance? The second question, which is related, is um, does association between AI companies and the autocrats hamper the AI companies to raise social cap uh, to raise capital outside of China? Third question, which is also a question another person have asked, is do local governments publicize their AI acquisition? Um, the other person's question is almost 
the publication of this acquisition is a way to deter uh, protest already. So, yeah. So, so these are all great questions. So, I, I you know, let me let me try to touch upon a couple of things that that that's 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 raising them. Um, no, first one is a sort of privacy and, and, and norms and regulation regarding privacy is, is an important one, it, especially if you think conceptually that data is a key input into the sector uh, and what governs sort of the supply of this input in the economy is coming through parts, at least parts of it, the, the people's norm towards privacy that governs how much data people are willing to give to the government or to the private sector and the regulation that that, 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 that governs this. So this is sort of, again, advertisements of work in the progress. We are, we're in the process of trying to having sort of various sort of experimental uh, tools to elicit people's privacy preferences around the world, uh, in particular for the, for the for the AI producing countries and see is, is it actually indeed the case uh, as, as sort of you know, a lot of conventional wisdom would suggest countries such as China have a lower privacy uh, 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 preferences by the by the citizens. So we actually don't don't know ex ante whether that's that's the case. At least suggestively so. But we want to see very see rigorously. Is is the case that people are less concerned about privacy uh, uh, in countries such as China? Now, of course, that lower concern could be endogenous to government's responses. Autocratic government might have incentive to lower people's privacy concerns because that that help them collect more data and survey better. Uh, we're also looking at sort of very systematically the global regulation in, in, in concerning privacy and, and data collection over the last 30 years. Uh, and that's actually painting a, a bit more sort of a complicated picture where if you look on paper, China has more strict regulation on privacy than the US uh, by, by and large. Uh, no, enforcement is a separate issue, but, but at least for, you know, there's, there's an interesting I think, interaction between norms, regulations, and how that governs the supply of data, which, which very much is what we're currently being, being, being working on. The, the, you know, I think the, 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 the next, the second question about sort of AI, uh, the, how does AI firm raise its funds from, 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 from globally? I think you know, so far we have one firm who are, who are undergoing IPO, uh, the Fish Recognition, which is also the first firm, AI firms in, in the world who, who is undergoing IPOs. So we're, and we're waiting and yet to see how the global financial market is receiving uh, such a firm. There's certainly, I think, increasing amount of scrutiny uh, by the global community uh, regarding how the firms who receive the data and, and, and which kind of government services it provides. So I think this is very much evolving, but I think I, I, I think it's it's slightly less relevant. I think from the from these firms' perspective in terms of the source of funding, because they the the, the ecosystem of the venture capitalists and 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 and, and the capital market for these startups are quite healthy, and and if anything, sort of you know, uh, oversupplied in a lot of the funding that, that there there is not in the situation where their funding is constrained and they really need the funding from the from the global market. Uh, but on the other hand, sort of how do we think about to the extent many of these firms are indeed global firms and they're gonna become global firms through the global financial market or through exporting their product. Think about trade related responses and regulations is gonna be quite important. Uh, and this is exactly where we're going with, with our trade projects uh, going forward. I don't have an answer yet, but this is very much on our mind uh, when we think about sort of the, the globalness of, of, of this phenomenon. Mm -hmm. The final thing uh, about sort of, you know, to the extent that local AI firms are publicizing their working with the government, I think a lot of it, you know, you, you know, they, they put this on on the website. Many of them suggesting, you know, working with the with the with local government, as I, as I mentioned in the in the earlier question, is a signal for the quality. Local governments, especially sort of you know, Shanghai local government, is working with the best AI firms. That's like an indication of of quality uh, to the various market that I'm working with that government. So, so a lot of AI firms are not shy about uh, advertising that. 
Local governments sometimes also advertising their AI equipment as, 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 as uh, Bill said, a potential for deterrence. Uh, in fact, there are reports out there that say that you know a lot of the AI cameras are, are not actually AI equipped, but look AI equipped just again as as, as deterrence. But 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 that's on the on the on the, on the background. There, you know, local governments are oftentimes quite quite open uh, about their about their uh, their AI investment. I should say that this this last point is actually about. And this is related to sort of the, the citizens' compliance and, and, and how they receive the AI investment is that you know, a bulk part of this AI investment is not going for political suppression directly. It's, it is about providing public security to, 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 to a certain extent. And to the extent that I, you know, if the local citizens do, do perceive uh, AI uh, equipped camera is, is providing a safer street, uh, that's going to generate a lot of population support. Now, of course, part of that is also going to go, go for sort of suppressing political unrest or, or deterring political unrest. Uh, uh, but, but that may not be on top of people's mind for average citizen uh, in China. And, and that's potentially suggestive why local governments is not particularly hiding the fact that they're using a lot of AI. Um, to them. Well, thank you so much. We have a few more minutes. Uh, and uh, let me just pick one question from Bobby Fong. Um, his question is, um, what might be the conditions or circumstances that you will see the equilibrium to be uh, breaking up? And uh, how much do you think that the equilibrium, I, I'm paraphrasing, is stable? And what might be the forces that would actually break it up? Yeah, so, the, so, so that's a deep question. Uh, I, I don't have a perfect answer, but I think what I'm, if anything, I try to convince you from the talk is that the raw ingredients that we need to sustain equilibrium exist. That means you have benefits coming from both directions. Equilibrium wouldn't exist if only one party benefited from the other and the other party is a net loser or at least don't benefit. That would be a fragile one. So far, it seems like both parties, both party meaning sort of the government and the AI firms benefit in both directions. Now, what will change the equilibrium is going to be that if the AI firms start to benefit less from the local, from the government, because for example, if the privacy norm uh, or privacy regulation becomes strict enough that the AI firms couldn't use government data and the government data become less useful for commercial sector, that will mean that there's going to be less incentive for the local AI firms to benefit from the government and work with the government. That will tilt the equilibrium towards checking. You can also imagine that if the, if the, if the local governments are having even better technology that's different from AI, that, that makes them sort of sustain political stability even more cheaply. Uh, you know, we don't know whether that technology will exist or when will that happen, but to the extent that might happen um, you know, in the next couple of decades or couple of decades, that will be a force coming from the government side that pushing away this program. But at least as, as they currently stand, this is not a statement about, about sort of numbers or quanti quantity, but at least in, in the current stance in, in terms of the, the, the benefits going from both directions, I think it's, 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 it's quite uh, stable. And I don't see a particular sort of trend in the, in the immediate future where it, it might break this equilibrium. And, that, and that's what, what I mean by when I say there's alignment between autocracy and AI, it's a quite deep one. Uh, and it can actually overcome a lot of the sort of headline frictions that we typically associate with autocracy, discouraging innovation, uh, because on net, there seems to be this, the, 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 this alignment and benefit. Right. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's time and there's still a number of questions in the chat box and I encourage you to write to David directly. I think uh, I would just speak for David that I'm sure David won't mind. Um, and uh, thank you very much for this very innovative work and I'm impressed with the massive amount of data that you have put together from so many different sources that allow you to answer um, new questions. And I also see that 
um, from your talk, there are a number of uh, mixed questions that would fill out that would be a resulting from this current research. Um, and we look forward to welcome you back again to um, um, share your work. And uh, we also look forward to um, having you work more closely with the center in different aspects of it. So thank you everyone for attending and uh, until next time, bye-bye. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye.